0: the pbl playbook brought to you by magnify learning where we equip you with project-based learning tools today so you can engage and empower your students for the future
1: we are your hosts josh and andrea and this is our pbl project blitz series where each month we highlight the work of awesome teachers in pbl classrooms every guest will share one of their favorite pbl projects and we'll get a chance to discuss the impact of these projects on the students the community and our guests
0: we're glad you're here today. If you like the music you're hearing on our podcast, the band is called Attaboy and the song is Waking Up. Look for the link to their Spotify page in our show notes and on our episode webpage.
1: We hope you find our guests as inspiring as we do.
0: Game on! Game on. Hey everyone, welcome to another PBL Project Blitz episode. We are here today with Megan Reedy. Megan, why don't you go ahead and introduce uh, yourself to our listeners, tell us where you teach, um, how long you've been connected to PBL and ultimately um, just kind of where you are in your your journey with PBL.
2: So um, as Josh introduced, my name is Megan Reedy and I am first grade teacher at Dunn Elementary in the Jefferson County Public School System in Louisville, Kentucky. And I have been doing PBL for about four years. I started doing PBL on the suggestion of a principal who thought I'd be really good at it and started researching and trying things. Um, At the time I was teaching kindergarten and I did three fantastic projects that year and then I had the opportunity to loop with that class to first grade the next year where we continued our PBL journey and it was really awesome to see the growth of my students. Definitely uh, two of my favorite years of teaching, having the same group of kids and being on this PBL journey with them. So um, I figured it was time to get my certification in it to make sure that I you know, could authentically say to families that I was certified in this. And, and it gave it a little more, um, you know, a little more back to what I was asking my families to do and asking my kids to do. So. Um, I will continue on and then this past year uh with all of the pandemic things going on we were home most of the year teaching and um i was able to create a virtual pbl which was also nice to try something a little bit different and to to you know just try my hand at something and to see how it would go and it ended up going really
1: well so We're very excited to have you on today. We've got um, several partners in JCPS and you guys are just doing some incredible work down there. So you're going to talk to us about a project uh, that you've done today. So will you just go ahead and dive in and talk about what that project was and some of the elements. So your driving question, what your kids are creating, how you launched that project, and maybe some of the steps and benchmarks along the way.
2: So this project that I'm talking about today, um, I call it my watershed PBL. Um, I wanted to teach my students about um, watersheds and the human impact on watersheds and the ecosystem. Um, So a very authentic project. Um, It also happened to be one of the hardest subject um pbls that i have tried with my students Uh, (laughs) uh, a lot of people kept telling me megan this is too hard you need to you know you need to kind of dumb this down a little your driving question is you know it's like high school level and i said but this is part of the process so where they need things changed i will change it i will dissect my driving question to make sure that they understand um so you know the idea of the project was um to raise awareness of the human impact on watershed areas, and we have Beargrass Creek right near our school, and it happens to be one of the most polluted creeks in all of Kentucky. And so, um, we, you know, I wanted them to understand that they have an impact on this creek, and also what watersheds are. Um, and I wanted them to kind of become conservationists. We, you know, first graders love talking about animals and and nature. You know, it's something that they're really experiencing and and starting to understand at this stage of their life. So to make that connection for them as well. Um, so that's how the the project started with that idea. Um, and then I fit my standards to it. So we do work on water and growing plants um, for science with first grade. So I wanted to make sure that. Those standards were included as well. But I also reached out for other standards, um, reading, writing, math. I fit every subject area into this PBL. um, So I hit standards. But I not only hit standards for first grade, I also hit standards for kindergarten um, and for second grade. So there was some differentiation going on as well. Plus the fact that this is also a really hard PBL. There was a lot of differentiation and concepts that... um, I I didn't know if they were getting them wholeheartedly at first, but through teaching them vocabulary and those important um, parts of the PBL that they really needed to grasp the concept really helped, especially in the beginning. So we hit hard a lot of vocabulary in the beginning to make sure that they understood um and then working with jcps we also have our digital backpack of success skills that we have to work on and those are um, also 21st century skills so becoming effective communicators innovators um, resilient learners globally and culturally competent citizens productive collaborators so those were things i wanted to hit on in the pbl too, um, not only to make it authentic and real for them but also to hit those things that our district feels are important as well Um, so we started off, um, I wanted them to know about what, um, watersheds were and, um, local streams, the ecosystems that happen in those streams and how humans are impacting those watersheds, both negatively and positively, because there are good and bad things that are happening, not just all negative. Um, so we talked about both of those. Um, and then my driving question, and this is, this is where it was, um, Difficult at first, um, this is where everybody read it and said, there's no way they're going to understand this, but we dissected each part of it, made sure they understood each part of it and worked really hard with the vocabulary. And all of a sudden, they just started to understand, things started to come together. Um, so my di- my driving question was, how do we as emerging innovators create a watershed paradigm, greater understanding of environmental impacts and de- design solutions so that watersheds and surrounding areas are more protected. And that is a lot in one question, but by breaking that apart, I mean, that was a lesson in itself over a few days, um, working on the vocabulary and breaking it apart, making sure they really understood what that question meant. Um, it set the stage for the project. They understood what they were trying to accomplish. Um, some really great things are entry event. Um, I, I love this part. Um, for a few days before I even started the project, I set a microscope out on the table and refused to tell them why it was there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and every day they asking questions, What are we going to use that thing? What is that thing? Um, what are we going to do with it? You know, I'm building that anticipation for them and, um, so when they finally got to use it for their entry event it was super special for them they were so excited but we looked at different um specimens of water and they had to try to guess which ones they thought were potable so obviously that was another vocabulary word Um, come to find out many adults did not know what potable water was either so that is water that you are able to drink without getting sick um so they looked at different slides and I had my community partner there, and that was their first introduction to him. And he was um, posed a question to them about how we could make water safer for both animals and humans. Um, and we looked at slides. So the entry event was really a great hook for them uh, and, and they loved it and had a ton of fun with it. Uh, and then, you know, I also knew what I wanted them to have for end products. So what I wanted them to be able to show at exhibition was something that they were going to create. Um, and uh, I also wanted them to use the design engineering process in, in this. Um, I think it's important for them to you know, test things and rebuild things and until they get it the way they want. But we were also using upcycled materials because let's be honest, there's not a lot of money in um, education to spend on things like, yeah, like this, projects really. Um, So one of their products that they wanted, uh, I wanted them to create at the end was something that they could build to create, um, like if they were to put it in a stream, how would it help clean the water? Um, uh, And then, you know, the other thing that I wanted them to create was some kind of literature or brochure that we mailed out to people in the neighborhood to help bring awareness to, to what they are doing in their homes as far as pesticides and litter um things like that things that run off into the streams um such such great parts of this project you know i needed them to know how to make slides for the microscope and these kids had never handled things you know everyone thinks that because young children are so small that they're not capable of doing things and they don't trust them to do things but um, I'm kind of the opposite end of that spectrum. I believe that young children can do many, many things, and sometimes they just need a little instruction. Um, so, how to safely handle glass slides, you know? And and they do it because they're so excited to try new things, and they can't wait to do things that, you know, uh, like high school kids are doing or seventh grade kids are doing, you know? And they they want to do it, so they. They take care and really try hard. Um, I also needed them to know all of those vocabulary words. They needed to understand what we were doing. Um, you know, I wanted them to be able to not not just create a piece of literature that was ready to go, but understanding drafts and reflection. Um, reflection for for six year olds is just as important as it is for high schooler. Um, they need to be able to reflect and see how things went and how things could change or get better. Um, I also needed them to work with people, each other, our community partners. Um, I took them on two field trips for this project as well. And one where they got to actually go play in a stream and see where a stream connected to a larger um, body of water, stream to a creek, um, to understand how if, if you did something in the stream, if you littered or dumped some kind of chemicals in there, uh, how that would then flow into the larger body of water, which then flows into another larger body of water and eventually to the ocean and how it affects the ecosystem. So that was a really fun field trip that we took there. Um, And then I took them on another field trip to. Uh, the water company where i actually set it up for them as to to learn about watersheds and how to clean water and that was awesome because um not only did they get to see how it was working how the pumping station works but they did a really really great job explaining watersheds um and then i also worked with um So the commissioner of Fish and Wildlife Department, Kentucky Department of uh, Fish and Wildlife, he was the former commissioner for 20 years. He worked with me. I mean, he came in as my community partner and worked with my students every week. Uh, What my students did not know at first was that um, this person was also a a teacher in JCPS and I had the privilege of working with him. So it made it a lot easier for me to find my community partner that way, Um, but between him and um, the field trips. And I also did Skype with a scientist, which is a great resource. Um, so we worked with a hydrologist who was working at the University of New Hampshire. So we Skyped with her, that was a lot of fun. Um, and then I worked in my own building with our enrichment teacher. And um, the kids the kids made a biome and a soda bottle and um, they actually all got to take home a beta fish in their biome that they created in the soda bottle. So we did a lot of great things with this project and um, a lot of connections to our community.
0: Yeah, it sounds like a really awesome project. And I'm really excited that you recognize, and I think this is something that we all like need to learn as educators, like, it's, it's really good to challenge your kids and the fact that your driving question was what it was even though you were working with with students who are first graders and everyone else is thinking like man there's no way they're gonna understand this or be able I love that I think that's really important I think that's that's one of the bigger uh, powers of, of PBL is asking kids to challenge that so talk a little bit about how the students responded to it um, you know what what would they say was their favorite part you know what? you know, what was their learning outcomes? Like, did they, did they grow a lot or could you see that growth? Just talk a little bit about the student impact this project had.
2: We started this project um, at the end of August. So, you know, they were new first graders when they came to me. So the growth over time was amazing. Um, one of the things that I noticed most was um, their ability to communicate. So for their exhibition, they had to explain how they created um, their contraption. But, and then they also had to talk about how it would help and also include all of those elements that they had learned about watersheds and how their contraption was going to help. So their communication skills increased immensely. Um, plus, they kind of became conservationists, which is, you know, my angle for them. I wanted them to be more aware about their impact on ecosystems. Um, and You know, I say, (laughs) I got a text message one night from a parent who said, all I had to do was run into the hardware store to get some bug spray. And it took us 30 minutes to find an all natural one. You know, I love that though, because they are telling their parents, like these things are important, you know, pesticides, they go into the ground and then, you know, and then it rains and it goes into the watershed. So they were truly understanding the impact that they had as humans on the ecosystems. And and that was very rewarding. Uh, Their communication skills, like I said, we took a super hard subject area, and they fully understood it. Um, And one of the things that they taught me as well, I, I had done as many things as I could in the beginning to help them understand what a watershed was and um finally one of my students just looked at me and said miss reedy i get it but i don't and i said all right so what's going to help you understand it better and he said i don't know maybe we could build something with legos to make it look right you know and i was like well first of all i don't have legos second of all (laughs) not quite sure how to make this work i said you know give me give me a little bit of time to think about how we can make something that works for you and um because of their voice we ended up creating one of their most favorite parts of the project. And watching them test a model that they created was very rewarding as a teacher because they were so excited. Um, So we created this model and I put them in five different groups and um, they each were responsible in their group for creating a part of it. And we created a working model. So we had Clouds with little raindrops coming down. Um, they used drills to create a holes in the top of a tote, uh, which another group planted grass, which worked with our science standards. So that all connected very well. Um, and then another group created a catch basin out of cups. So they were designing it with plastic cups and taping and cutting. Um, We put rocks in the bottom, another group um, dug out styrofoam to create a stream. And when we put it all together, I dyed some water blue. We poured it um, down into the ground, what was the ground in the model. And it went through the catch basin and actually came out and showed how it went into the stream. And after that, their understanding of how a watershed actually works. Uh, it, it just completely changed the whole project. And that was from them. That was their voice saying, we get it, but we don't, you know, so um, listening to our students is very important, too.
1: <laughs> yeah, definitely. And and I think that, you know, you've mentioned a couple of times, like we can underestimate Um, some of our younger age groups and, you know, oh, we have to scale this down because they can't get there. But to raise that bar, and we've talked about that on this podcast before, to raise the bar and let them get there. And we scaffold them and we help them get there, but give them the chance to get there. And I love that. And I think from a facilitator standpoint, that has to be so powerful for you to see your kids, you know, you put all this work into scaffolding and helping them get there, but to see them then do it and to, you know, express their voices and, um, to, to feel empowered by what they're doing and to be curious and to tell their mom like, Hey, you can't get that bug spray. We've got to look for something else. Um, Is so impactful for you. So will you talk a little bit more about the impact of this project on you as a facilitator um, just kind of what you saw from your end and how it helped you grow in your, your own PBL journey?
2: Well, I think that this was really the first project that I had done where I made sure that I had every component um, from Uh, i think the hardest i've had many projects that i've really enjoyed that were awesome projects that the kids really were engaged but they didn't always include every aspect um i had one that did not include a community partner um that was impact of whaling industry on seaport towns it was very difficult in louisville kentucky to find (laughs) a, a community partner to work with me on that one um in So this one had, I had everything. It had the community partners, it had assessment. Um, I know sometimes assessment is not my strongest area as an educator, especially when we start doing these projects. Um, Natural assessment can only take you so far when your district relies on data um, and hard information. So um, that's something I had to work on, but this project included all of those things. so this—it's what made me grow as an educator through PBL. Um, making sure that how important each component of these projects are, right down to uh, what your driving question is, to benchmarks and scaffolding—it um, it all works together with a purpose. And making sure that each of those—you know—I hit each of those is what made me grow. Um, but I also, you know, when I, I want to teach people about PBL and help people learn more about PBL, especially in the primary classrooms, um, because I think people are scared. They're scared to move away from just the set standards and the set modules that we have. Um, and, and that's what I want to do. And being able to take a project that was so difficult um, in the beginning. You know, I had to do a lot in the beginning to help my kids understand this, but to show people that it is possible that that young children can do very hard things and they can understand very hard concepts. They just need a little bit more on the front end um, and let them use their voice and choice. So uh, this project really was the one that, you know, showed me as as an educator that each component is very important. Um, I also know that teaching others, they need to be able to see that these kiddos can do very hard things.
0: Yeah, that, that's really wonderful. So, I mean, I think that leads into just how we, we might close the episode. And, and that is usually with asking you um, to share a piece of advice for for our listeners, you know, whether they're in the very beginning stages of their PBL journey, and they're looking for ways to um, just figure it out. Or they're a veteran teacher who's been doing it for a while, who's looking for a way to to make their practice even better. Um, what what advice would you share with our listeners?
2: Uh, my best advice is, you know, if you have a crazy idea in your head, go with it. Um, don't let other people tell you that you can't do something. Um you know you do need to make sure that you're hitting your standards and that they are relevant to the content that you are expected to teach for whatever district you work for but you can make many standards fit different projects. So, you know, think outside of the box. It's okay. It's okay to think like, this is crazy. Kids using drills and hammers and nails and um, sending children home with a beta fish. You know, all of those are kind of crazy concepts in your head, but it's possible to do. And, um, you know, don't let anybody stop you by telling you, you know, this is too hard. You're not gonna have time for this because what ends up happening with PPL is that, your kids want to do it so badly that it's hard to not spend most of your day doing it when you're not in an immersion classroom, um, and that's that's where I am in my district. We are not an immersive school, so um, I do have to make sure that I still hit all of my other subjects as I'm expected, and include PBL. But PBL includes all of those other subjects so easily um, that you can do these wonderful projects and it's so exciting to see how excited the kids are. Um, It also brings interest back into teaching for me. So my best advice is to go out there, get a crazy idea in your head, try it, um, and just work it out on paper and make sure that you have all of your components. Uh, Community partners are so important and they're so beneficial. Um, My students loved uh, the fish and wildlife person that worked with me. Um, take them places. You know, uh, I think we all, we get hung up in field trips have to be a whole grade level trip. Um, you know, work something out with your administrator. And that's what I did. And my kids were able to go and have two really, really beneficial field trips that directly worked with PBL. Um, so, just think outside of the box, make things work. Um, you know, as educators, we, we have that ability to think about things differently and, and to do things just, just differently than how um, society would normally look at things because we're always having to change. We can never just do things the same. So take that to PBL, too, and just do things that um, people wouldn't expect. And that's where you're going to find fun
1: and see the joy in the students when they're learning that's so powerful such good advice for our teachers at all levels but i think just to hear the incredible bar that you set for your kids and to you know seeing them rise can be um telling for for all of our listeners so thank you megan so much for spending time with us today and sharing this project
2: well thank you i had a blast
0: (laughs) ready break Thanks again for joining us for the PBL Playbook, where we broke down the playbook of real PBL facilitators in the classroom just like you and help bring you strategies and tools for your PBL game.
1: If you want to reach the pod, you can tweet us at 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 missb103, or at magnifylearning, or you can email us with any PBL questions, thoughts, or ideas you have at pblplaybook at magnifylearningin.org.
0: Also, be sure to show us some PBL love by rating, reviewing, and sharing the PBL playbook with other educators.